0: Welcome into Sax in the Basement. My name is Chris. His name is Ed. Uh, Ed, it's really funny. The other day, I got a message from somebody who was listening to Sax in the Basement as we sit here at the nine-foot homemade oak bar. Who told me I always introduce you, and they didn't know what my name was, which I thought was hysterical. That's,
1: that's really <laughs> funny. Uh, yeah,
0: because <laughs> I'm always talking about you, and I don't really say who I am. So my name is Chris Lanuti, and over there is Ed. He just goes by Ed, like Madonna does. This is all brought to you by Family Waterproofing Solutions. Four fans, five fans, all White socks, 30 minutes of socks. Remember, right now, that trickle of water that you're finding on your basement floor, that represents a problem. All right, I, you've seen the problem. The snow melted, the water went in, and you're like, what do I do? Family waterproofing solutions. Uh, if you got window wells, or you need to get them fixed, you got a foundational issue you're noticing now that the snow has pulled away, like, why is the sidewalk a little different? Family Waterproofing Solutions. They're family-owned, they're veteran-owned, and they are ready to help you and take money off if you mention Sacks in the Basement, the phone number right there on the logo, or visit them today, famws.com. Before we get into anything today, and Don Paul is going to be on the show, and we're going to make some meatball predictions and talk about the latest with Sacks in the Basement Fest, there was uh, something I retweeted yesterday, or two days ago now. It was, it was a report from The Athletic where Lucas Giolito... And I, I want to read the quote for you because it it made me sick to my stomach when I read it. It bothered me so much, Ed, that I almost threw up on the bar. There haven't really been discussions about an extension, which is fine, said Giolito. <sighs> well, guess what? Bucket. There should have been some discussions. Yes, there should that be. That bothers me yes. so much right now. We had James Fox on here talking about how... He had indications from inside the team that they were going to be discussing that with Lucas and trying to extend him beforehand. Uh, He actually jumped on that Twitter thread and said uh, it sounds to him like things are changing in there because Lucas understands his worth and he wants a much bigger number than maybe what the White Sox were thinking. So enjoy him now because that's scary. I mean, you got a few more years of him, but that's scary. And trust me, if this team is good and you're still sitting at a payroll that's like somewhere between 12th and 14th in Major League Baseball, and you let a guy like that go, you deserve 200 times more criticism than anything you've gotten from this show or anybody else about your budget. You, You deserve to be taken to task like never before. So I hope they work that out. I hope that's just some kind of like negotiating tactic. I hope that doesn't mean very much. I hope they just haven't gotten around to it, but it made me worried.
1: Well, there's plenty of reasons for Sox fans to be concerned because there's a history of not going more than three years with a the pitcher. There's a history of kind of not wanting to overspend for pitching. And what we're seeing right now in the marketplace is somebody like Trevor Bauer getting that s- silly monopoly money deal that the silly. Dodgers gave him. It's a silly deal for Trevor Bauer. And that's coming on the heels of what Garrett Cole got and, 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 If Chialito is saying, well, I know my worth, who's he measuring himself against these days? He is not measuring himself against Dylan Cease. He is measuring himself against Trevor (laughs) Bauer and Garrett Cole. And that's not a slight on Dylan Cease.
0: No, but nobody's measuring themselves against Dylan Cease right now. (laughs) That was was kind of a funny comparison. There's a few levels in between a Chialito and a Cease. Well, you just went right I mean, down to the fourth pitcher on a team that's got stuff to work on this year that I still think is going to be a pretty good pitcher. But man, there, I, I kind of was just hoping that he was like somewhere, there was like a spot between a Cease and, let's say, a Trevor Power that maybe we could get a Giolito at.
1: Well, the point with the Cease comparison is is not, yeah, obviously from a pitching standpoint, there's no way in hell he's comparing himself to Dylan Cease. But <laughs> the, the point of, of comparing him to Cease is more, he's not comparing himself to other you know, other teammates who are also in arbitration with this team. He's comparing himself to pitchers that are out on the market, and he's going after guys like Bauer and Cole. And, yeah, you're right. You're hoping that he's looking more towards someone that's in the middle, but the divide, I think, is so big from what the elite pitchers are getting to now what teams are able to give sort of those mid-level pitchers. So, you know, are you are you calling a comparison with with – Giolito and Dallas Keuchel? Probably not. I mean, Giolito's got to view himself as being better than Keuchel at this point, too.
0: And when he goes out this year and does the same thing that he has been doing, it's going to be pretty solid that he's the ace. And he, that money's just going to get... That, the money's going to get higher every time he takes the mound. Like, I don't think that you're ever going to get a price better than what you're getting right now out of him. And so it, it's it's an interesting thing. I really hope... That we're just making a mountain out of a molehill, kind of like what uh, Tony Larusa did dur- during uh, Tuesday's spring training game, and I- I'm going to tell you, I kind of like it. Like I, I am in the honeymoon phase with Larusa right now. We have a guy that, after a six-inning game in which nothing really counted, and there were barely any guys that were going to make his roster that were actually out on the field, when asked post-game about it said, well, we also have to learn how to win in spring training. You can't just do it when you get there. Like yeah. after game one, he's calling his team out for not having the higher score in a six-inning abbreviated spring training game the first of the season. And then here, here before you can jump into it, because I, I know you find that amazing, during Tuesday's game, the Rangers decide with men on base that they're going to invoke a spring training rule where they're just ending the inning the before there's three rule. outs. Yeah. So La Russa turns around and after he gets two outs in an inning with a runner on, invokes the same rule for no reason whatsoever, just to say, if that's how we're playing, I want to win today. Like, he wanted to win the spring training game. That was his thing, like, we're winning this game. You're not getting a win here. We're getting a win.
1: Well, And that's what you're hoping for from him, that that, that's what he's going to bring, right? That that he's going to bring some competitive fire and he's going to sit there and say, look, I don't care that absolutely none of the pitchers that I rolled out in game one have any prayer of making this team. You know, I want to win. I want to win. All right. I don't
0: care that only three or four of you in the lineup today, most of which didn't play more than uh, an inning or two and got in a bat or two in game one of spring training. I don't care that uh, that the majority of you are going to be in A this year. I wanted to win.
1: <laughs> yeah, but then again, I'm, if these guys ever do make their way to the team, their asses better know how to win a game, right?
0: I'm telling you right now, everybody. You know, you think about. What Steven Nelson said on this show, and if you haven't heard it, go back and listen to that one a couple of months ago. They're yeah. all on demand everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SoxInTheBasement.com when Steven Nelson took the time when he wasn't even asked about it. You know, here's a Chicago White Sox fan looking at it from a national perspective who wasn't so keen on the idea of La Russa, but immediately said, why does everybody assume that he and Anderson are not going to get along? I'm going to tell you right now, all I've read this week is Anderson telling anybody to put a microphone in front of his face, we're the best and we're going to kick everybody's butts this year. Like we are the best. He just puffs his chest out and says, you think you're better than us? Knock us down. And he's got this manager who's from multiple generations away from him. Like this is such a different thing, different background, different everything. Who's probably the closest thing in attitude to him inside of that dugout where he's like, I'm winning every spring training game. You're going to end the inning early? I'm ending the inning early. Like, yeah, like these guys, these guys, if they're winning, there's going to be some magic, I think. I mean, I I almost right now, I'm going to predict it right now. My first, we're going to do meatball predictions here coming up later on the show after Don Paul. But my first meatball prediction is at some point during the season, not only will T.A. get into it with a pitcher, but Tony La Russa will make sure whether or not he's thrown out TA's thrown out, half the dugout is thrown out, and he's sitting there like Bobby Valentine wearing a mustache in the third row. Yeah, the
1: hoodie with He'll the He'll still mustache. be sitting there
0: saying, throw at him again. Like yeah. it's gonna be like you're gonna have one of these insane like moments where it's like Anderson will aggravate somebody with a bat flip and Larusa is gonna go to war for him. And I, I'm just waiting for that moment. And I, I imagine like a day like in midsummer when we're pretty much back to everybody back in the stands or close to it. Because I think this is going to move very quickly. And the place just going nuts. Like I, That's my first meatball prediction, but I think it's, it could really happen with these two personalities working together on this team.
1: And by the way, if you're on one of those teams that you think you're going to mess with that and, and get into the, the beanball wars with the White Sox, I would just like you to remember that Garrett Crochet throws 102 miles an hour very easily.
0: (laughs) Right. I mean, all that would be missing is Bo Jackson bringing his baseball bat out for the dispute. Right. Like he did in '93. Right. It's one of those things I'm waiting for. It's going to happen with this with these guys. I really there's nothing but attitude and moxie. I'm telling you, there are the things that are coming out of the front office, like the, you know, we're going to revise history and pay no attention to what our payroll is. And just sit there and be happy. And we're not talking to Lucas Giolito about an extension. It'll drive you nuts. But you got to push past it sometimes just so you don't miss out on enjoying this team. You know, and I think you could find a healthy balance of it because uh, this group, man, I love them. Don Paul is next. This is Socks in the Basement, found everywhere podcast, can be found, and always, at SocksInTheBasement.com. Socks in the basement listeners, do the hard work. And if you're a hardworking man or woman on the south side, you need to be outfitted properly. And that's why you should visit Red Wing Shoes, in Evergreen Park, New Lenox, and Geneva. A work boots specialty store that carries sizes from six to 16 and feet as wide as 4E. A 115 year old company that came out of Red Wing, Minnesota and one of its largest stores in the entire Midwest is in Evergreen Park, Illinois, ever since 1976. When you're on your feet, the footwear is everything. So why not get an expert fitting? They warranty, repair, and offer free conditioning with laces. And they also carry Carhartt work clothing as well. Located at 3347 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park, Illinois, at 208 East Maple Street on Route 30 in New Lenox, or at 1749 South Randall Road in Geneva. Visit them today. You work hard, you've earned it. Red Wing Shoes. Joining me on the phone line right now, good friend of the show, he stopped by a few times and chatted with us about White Sox baseball, and I figure with the start of spring training, it was a good time to check in with the Pope. Don Paul on the line.
2: How are you, Don? Hey, doing great, doing great. It's nice to get the sun out, a little bit warmer weather, and looking forward to uh, baseball and spring starting here. I know, and
0: and so far we've seen a, a couple of games, depending on if you're watching them on TV, watching highlights, watching them on the internet. It's difficult, but still possible to see some White Sox action. Although the first few games of spring training, you don't even recognize most of the guys that are out there. Is that how (laughs) it was when you were around too? Like, did they kind of hold back? Like the guys they knew that were going to make it until later on?
2: Right, right. Guys like me were playing all the time out there at that that point. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) <laughs> all the good players.
0: You never got a break. Like, you were there on day one. You were doing it day one.
2: Absolutely, yep. I'm <laughs> always there, and, and, and uh, days I'm not scheduled to pitch, I'm still in the bullpen just just in case. They call it JIC, J-I-C, JIC, just in case uh, you need extra pitchers. So, yeah, guys like me doing stuff like that. That's amazing.
0: So, now, this is perfect because this is why I thought of you. I was watching the first game, and they're bringing out basically relief pitchers, and they're all getting, like, one inning. And they're all guys. There's a bunch of non-roster invitees. There's a bunch of guys that are fighting for a room in the pen. (laughs) And there's these jokes going on on White Sox Twitter where, like, a guy gives up a hit and they're like, "Cut that guy." Like, (laughs) did you ever feel like intense pressure in those first few games? Like, man, if I just have a bad inning right out of the gate, I might not make it the first week or so.
2: Yeah, you you do. I mean, until I had you know, several years of major league time under my belt, but certainly the first – before I got to the major leagues um, or the first year afterwards, yeah, it's – I I felt like I could be gone if I have one or two bad games because there's not a big, you know – body of work to show in spring training. They're not going to you know, throw you out there a whole bunch of times. It's a limited time out there. They've got a whole bunch of people to see. So you've got to do really well right from the get-go if you're uh, you know, a guy like me as opposed to an established good player. Well, you and I have had some conversations before, and I've always gotten that
0: from you, is that you you never took it for granted, even though you're walking around with a ring. I see Mike Reich go out there, and basically he was in the Korean Baseball League last year. The first hit he gave up. He, he just looked like the weight of the world was on him. He reminded me of a guy who was like in the playoffs and I'm like, it's the first game. Like there's right. some pressure for guys like that, right?
2: Yes, it absolutely is. I know it's the first game of spring training. I know for most people, it's pretty meaningless, but for the, the non-established kind of players, it's kind of like, you know, in the NFL, the preseason games, they meet, are meaningless for most people. There, there's certain guys that it means everything for. So yeah, so and, and like you said, I never took it for granted. I always felt I think I had one year where I knew I was guaranteed pretty much to make the team. Other years, I knew I was kind of fighting to prove myself again. And so every game, every outing was was huge for someone like me.
0: You know, you got Michael Kopech and Garrett Crochet who clearly long-term are expected to become starters. They love their stuff. I think everybody loves their stuff. They're both in the top 100 prospect list in Major League Baseball. They both have taken slightly different paths because Crochet was basically drafted and ready to go you know, very quickly after his draft. Kopech has dealt with injuries and issues, and, and these two guys are going to start in the pen. So let's start with that. What advice do you give, especially to a Kopech, who's already mentioned, like I got to figure out my bullpen routine? What is a bullpen routine, and what advice <laughs> could you give to a guy like that? I'll tell
2: you what—it's it's very different than a starter's routine. Because um, I used to be a starter back in college and things like that, but when I got into the, uh, the, the, the White Sox minor leagues, I was reliever the whole—I was reliever uh, well, half the way through. It became reliever all of a sudden, so. Again, as a starter, you take your time warming up, you know, you, you, you can relax, you're taking your time, you're throwing pitches, you, you maybe use about 30 pitches, you know, to get warmed up as a starter. As a reliever, it's a whole different story because oftentimes it's very urgent that they want you to get up and get ready. You need to get ready for like the third hitter that's from now. So you, you got to get up there, hop, sprint up there, you know, throw some hard tosses to get your arm loose quickly and then get the catcher down in position and then maybe throw about uh, 10 pitches. I want to be ready in 10 pitches and they're more rapid fire pitches from the stretch also. I'm not throwing from the wide, I'm throwing from the stretch because there might be guys on base when I come in the game. Um, so, and again, yeah, so you've got to do it much, much quicker. And then after doing that for a time as a reliever, I'm thinking to myself, why do starters need to spend, you know, 35 pitches or whatever to get loose when really I can do it all in, you know, 10 pitches really.
0: So it might actually make you more effective later on down the line as a starter because you if you if if you start off in the pen – you get some good habits eventually on how to warm up. You learn a little bit more than just the way that starters do it.
2: Yeah, yeah, you do. You, you certainly, you know, as a, as a starter and you're warming up, you're trying to almost be perfect on your pitches. You know, this, this, this curveball, I'm going to throw it about five times, you know, in a row because I want it to really get perfect on this outside corner. Whereas reliever, you know, I might throw it, you know, two, three times, and if it's not perfect, okay, so be it. Uh, I'll have to figure it out when I get out there on the mound.
0: Now, another guy that's interesting to us that we've been talking about is Carlos Rodan. Carlos has also dealt with injuries. He was once a first round draft choice. There was there was high hope for him. And then they didn't tender him this year and brought him back on a on a lesser deal right towards the end for three million, which surprised a lot of people because we figured when you didn't tender him, they were going to go in another direction. And he right. seems slated to at least start the season, likely, as like the fifth starter. But when you got a kopeck who they're talking about is eventually they're hoping will be starting back into the season. He may have to start coming out of the pen if he wants to be on this team in the second half. What kind of transition is that from starter to reliever? Can everybody do it, or is it a mental block for some guys uh, who have to move from one to the other?
2: It's definitely a mental thing. I mean, so much of it is mental. I mean, bottom line is you're still going out there and you're just pitching getting hitters out. You know, it, It sounds like it's a simple... Uh, process because it's all you need to focus on is going out there and getting hitters out and throwing throwing your pitches where they're supposed to go. Um, but it's it's so much mental because as a starter, it's just a whole different mentality. You feel like you've got you know five, six, seven innings that you can you know get through. You can you can coast and pace yourself and things. Whereas a reliever, you can't pace yourself. You know you got to go all out. You know, from the first hitter, because you know, you might only be in there for for one inning or two innings or something like that. So you you can't uh, coast like, like a starter would. So that certainly is a, a big, big thing mentally that a starter's got to think about. So now you
0: look at this team, you see these big horses at the front of this rotation. I mean, Giolito... Lance Lynn, Dallas Keuchel. I mean, all three of these guys, I'm perfectly comfortable if and when the White Sox make it into the postseason for the first three games of every series. And in a seven-game series, I'm going to see him twice. I mean, I'm, I'm pumped about it. I see a guy like Dylan Cease. We don't know what his his book is yet. It hasn't been written. He's got a new pitching coach. Uh, he's still working things out. He's young. What is your impression of this team? Also, with after you talk about those starting pitchers, maybe the best bullpen in baseball, if not top five.
2: Yeah, I am really excited about the, the whole team for starters, for sure, but also the the, the pitching staff. I mean, like, like you said, I mean, you got all these very good starters. You name the top three, but once it comes to the playoffs, they might not even be the top three. When you also can figure that, hey, Kopech might be, by the end of the year, might be one of your top three. Um, Rodon, I mean, you know, what if he, you know, becomes the Rodon that everybody you know, wants to see out of him, you know? Uh, so, so you just don't know. We've got a lot of guys that are very, very capable of being, you know, top three kind of pitchers. And, and it's nice because, you know, things just don't work out once in a while for some people. Some people might get hurt. So, you know, you almost figure that's going to happen. So we've got a number of people that are ready to step in and fill in, I think, that are uh, high quality people, not just regular fill in, kind of a fifth starter kind of a guy. Okay.
0: Before I let you go, I got to ask you, Don, uh, how much would a Don Paul want to be a part of this bullpen this year? Would you be excited about it? <laughs> would you be like, man, it's going to be <laughs> tough to hang in there because there's a lot of talent in this bullpen? Like, how would you feel if you were all of a sudden in the mix here for uh, the 2021 White Sox?
2: Yeah, well, you, you'd always like to be part of a really good team. And uh, this is going to be a really good team, a really good really good bullpen. And if you uh, are talented enough to be uh, part of that kind of a bullpen, even if you're the sixth or seventh uh, guy in that bullpen, um, it would be a privilege and it would just be so cool to uh, just be part of, of a winner and, and see these guys play as well as they, as we hope they can play and uh, hopefully make some, some history here for the White Sox. Awesome. That's Don Paul. He's the
0: Pope. Uh, it's it's so funny. We've already made a joke about your name today and text messages me and Ed because he was like, who's on today? And I'm like, the Pope. And he goes, <laughs> the what? <laughs> the what? <laughs> so, yeah. Don, it still works, man. It still works. Years later, man, people get a kick out of it. I love it. You know I do. And I appreciate you coming <laughs> on and uh, and talking with us. Hey, Anytime, Chris. Happy to do it. Are you a CFO, HR professional, or owner of a company, big or small, and you're tired of the typical health insurance premium increases each and every year? Out of control premiums with no end in sight. Well, now there is the elite benefits formula. This process has saved employers and their employees thousands, or even tens of thousands of dollars each year. These strategies are avoided by most insurance professionals and the insurance companies definitely do not want you to know about them. But Elite Benefits of America is ready to help you. Just about all employers in the Chicagoland area can now take advantage of some or all of these strategies and start saving money. Butch Zimar from Elite Benefits of America wants you to reach out to him today. Visit EliteBenefits.net or call 708-535-3006. Ed, we're going to do something that I suggested to you via text over the weekend when I was a little inebriated.
1: You were a little inebriated, um, but I think it's a fun idea, so let's do it anyway.
0: <laughs> I mean, like, I, you started telling me about this as you sat down, and I was like, what are you talking about? Yeah. And you're like, oh, no, you had this great idea. I'm like, I had what? He goes, and you go, it was right after you were telling me how wonderful I am yes. and how the show sounds so much better with you. And I was like, oh, I was drunk. Yeah. I was drunk. I was really drunk. Yeah, you're,
1: you're, he- even though you're heaping does- praise on me and I'm, I'm looking at this, I'm going, <laughs> wow, he is hammered. But this is a good idea for a show, so let's
0: do it. Although I will tell you this, the show is better with you. The show had its highest numbers ever in a single month just this past month in February. February is the shortest month of the year and still had more downloads in it than any other month that we've ever had.
1: Well, thank you for everybody who downloaded.
0: In the month of February, according to IAB stats, "Socks in the Basin was in the top 15% of all podcasts worldwide. That is a stupid statistic when you think of the fact that everybody tells you there's no such thing as White Sox fans, and we're not the podcast financed by the team. Like, every single one of you listening right now You're awesome, and thank you. Yes, thank you so much. (laughs) I went out and celebrated and got a little drunk instead of coming up with ideas. Give me your best White Sox meatball prediction for 2021.
1: My best White Sox meatball prediction (laughs) for 2021 is Andrew Vaughn is going to win the Triple Crown and Rookie of the Year for the American League.
0: I think he's a rookie of the year. I don't know that's, if that's meatball.
1: Triple no, Crown is meatball. Ball. I just threw that in because that's a legit <laughs> prediction that he's he could be the AL rookie of the year very easily. I mean, I know spring training games or whatever, but through the first two games, he's easily the White Sox best offensive player, I think.
0: he's He's got an eye, and he stroked the ball out yeah. on Tuesday yeah. on a beautiful home run. And he he just looks like he's just ready to go. Now, let's wait until he goes up against some really good pitching. You know, early on in spring training, as Don Paul uh, explained earlier, uh, you got an awful lot of guys that are nervous out there and probably aren't making the team, and he went through it himself. And so I don't know if – Andrew Vaughn should be eating those guys alive. Uh, so let's wait a few weeks, but so far so good.
1: So, yeah, but I, I, I think Rookie of the Year is a reasonable thing. Triple crown, he's going to have to fight Aloy Jimenez for that home run lead, my friend. I'm just telling you that that when Aloy hits 65 home runs this year <laughs> –
0: so here's some meatball with some sauce on the side. Okay. All right. Yeah. You're gonna love this one. Timmy Anderson will be used like Tony LaRussa as if he is Ricky Henderson. Oh yeah. To the point where at some point during the season, Tony is going to refer to him after a long game or a long week as Ricky. He hits, he can hit for power, and he's gonna be running a lot, I think, at the top. And he's gonna be stealing bases, and he's got and he's got swagger just like Ricky Henderson. I think Tony LaRussa looks at Jimmy Henderson, he goes, it's Ricky Henderson. Yeah. <laughs> That's, I, think, I think after all these years of baseball, he goes, closest thing to Ricky Henderson that I've seen. Like that, He's going to utter something like that at some point. And it's, people are going to be like, Chris called it on Socks in the Basement. But I'm telling you right now, he's going to say something like that. And you know what? I'll be honest with you. I guarantee that he reminds him a little bit of Ricky. Ricky Henderson was one of those first people that started flipping bats, man. Ricky Henderson talked trash when he ran around the base bats. The man hit for a high average, stole bases could hit him out, and he was batting leadoff. Now, Anderson's not as fast as Henderson, but there's a little bit there, and I think that Tony LaRusso is chomping at the bit to use him in similar situations.
1: Ricky Henderson hears it and goes, wait, am I playing shortstop for the White Sox this year? Because <laughs> Ricky Henderson was not known to be very self-aware. So
0: I want to read who is scheduled to attend Sox in the Basement Fest on March the 20th, and then I'm going to give you the, un- the unsettling news. But first <laughs> yes. off, let's kind of just go through who we have coming to us and socks in the Basement Fest. Dave Kaplan, Scott Merkin, James Fox, George Offman, Mike Rankin, the boys from Section 108, Matt Zawaski from Pinwheels and Ivy, Jordan Lazowski, and Scott King, formerly of NBC Sports Chicago, who just started a brand new podcast. And the guy who just heard from Don Paul was like, let me know the details. I want to do anything you want to do, Chris. I'm in. We had nobody turn us down so far. Right. Like, I feel bad that I didn't, like, offer, like, uh, Aloya Menez like, a plane ticket. Because I, I feel like at this point, he would just say, I'm going to be out for a couple days. I'm going to go to Sox in the Basement Fest. Like,
1: LaRusso... like well, let's, let's call like, Ricky hey. Henderson, and he can pretend he's Tim Anderson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Th- that's a great lineup. Super excited about it. $15 tickets. You get yourself a beer when you walk in the door, and you also end up with a socks in the basement trucker hat and some swag. And we've got all this stuff that's set up for it. And then on Saturday, just this past Saturday, while I was in the middle of my just celebratory, everything's going wonderful, drunkenly tweeting or drunkenly texting Ed and just having a good old time. strikes
1: a little bit, right?
0: Well, not, uh, not totally. At least on Saturday night, I started to get an uneasy feeling. I found out that the guy who I talk to all the time at Blue Island Beer Company, who is an owner over there, may not be the head owner over there right and then on monday as i'm worrying about this because we've got this whole thing planned i get a phone call that those that had more votes than him voted down the use of the room that i selected them for. like i selected them for the beer but i also selected them because they have this ginormous room with a stage that has garage doors that open up to put fresh air through and i can safely space people and still have a good sized crowd like guys like Cap and guys like Offman and several of the other guys, James Fox has got a new baby. These guys were like, what's the ventilation like? Right. These were the questions they were asking me. So I picked a place specifically so that I could make it the safest and most comfortable, but also a fun experience for everybody. And then all of a sudden I got told, yeah, we're only going to be able to use the front room. They don't want to use the back room. Maybe you can do it in the parking lot mm. on March 20th. And I was told maybe you can do it on the parking lot. And it's like a gravel parking lot that at times floods. So even if it wasn't raining that day, if it rained the day before, where am I, how am I going to put out equipment and do the thing? And then if I can only put 25 inside, how do I, how do I justify to people like come all the way out to blue Island? And and, and when we're at this point, it's almost as if, let's say you drafted like a left-handed pitcher in the first round and you thought he was going to be the next Chris sale. And then Slowly but surely, you started to learn there were little problems, and the next thing you had was Carlos Rodon back on a $3 million deal at the end of the free agent signing period.
1: What an you know? interesting uh, metaphor it was, for that. It was,
0: that's how it feels, and I don't want to force that upon you. I also find out what it's like to be Rick Hahn, right? Like, I feel Rick Hahn. I felt like after the last show that we did, where I was talking about how I like some things that Rick Hahn said, and I was upset about some things that Rick Hahn said, God sent me this, this thing that made me feel like Rick Hahn. Because much like Rick Hahn, who thought he was about to sign Manny Machado, somebody in a boardroom made a decision that stopped that from happening. And I'm not going to come out there and tell you we had the best offer on the table. I'm just kind of telling you what's happening. Trust me, I think Blue Island Beer Company's awesome. I think once the pandemic's over, we'll be doing stuff with them. Absolutely, I, absolutely. I, I, this is not a slight on them, but if they can't feel comfortable doing it the way we discussed over the last couple of months, then I'm not going to give you guys a half-assed festival. Now, on the other hand, we have two other breweries that are nearby in the South Side, of Chicago that do have ventilation, do have the open air thing, are able to handle us. That we're discussing things with. I've already said a thing on this that by Saturday's show, we're either in with the new location, we're putting tickets up for sale, or we're pulling the plug because I'm not going to sit there and mess with you. If you're going to, if you're going to trust a socks in the basement event, it's got to be everything you expect it to be. Uh, and I can't, I can't expect guys like Dave Kaplan to show up. You know, I can't I can't I can't expect these guys to show up a second time if the first time they all show up at one of my events. They're like, wow, this is like a clown show. So I I can't do that. And I, I just envision like, you know, on March 20th now, it'll be 80 degrees and sunny here in Chicago. Right. You know yeah. that it'll be the greatest March day in the history of Chicago. You know, every every weather guy in the world will be like most beautiful March day we've ever had. And I'll be like, man, we really should have done it in that parking lot. But I just I can't trust March weather. And no. I can't trust, like, that something else doesn't change at this point. And I don't want to do that to you guys, okay? And I don't think Blue Island wants to do that to you either, all right? But whatever happened along the line here, this thing didn't end up the way that it was originally planned, and so uh, we'll do something else with them at some point, trust me. But I'm going to try to move this to another venue. So that that's kind of what the plan is. We'll either have it for you on Saturday with the ticket information, and we'll be putting them up right away, so don't miss Saturday's show. Uh, follow us on the social media. We're trying to save socks in the basement fest, but, uh, I'm also not going to put like 15 band-aids on like a, on a, on a ship that's got 37 holes in it. Like, I'm just not, I'm not going to do that to you guys. You know, we, we've, we're going to have plenty of times to get together. It was a really cool idea and I still think it could be awesome, but I got to make sure that we've, we've got everything that we wanted to give you. I wanted to give you the, the indoors and the spacing and the ventilation. I wanted to give that to you. And if I if I can't put you in a comfortable environment, and I can't put the people that are coming in a comfortable environment. Then we gotta either move it someplace else or or delay it, scratch it, postpone it, put it for the summer at some point at the ballpark.
1: So you are Ethan Katz trying to get this Carlos Rodon to use its lower body to drive more leverage and increase its velocity and get better spin on the slider.
0: Yeah, yeah, kind of like that. Yeah, I, at that might. Yeah, yeah, I love how Carlos Rodon gets dragged even during this. Like. <laughs>
1: He's going to go out and win 20 games this yeah, year. One more meatball prediction. <laughs> Carlos Rodan,
0: Cy Young. Well, Don Paul even threw it in there like he might end up as one of our top three starters by the playoffs. I almost spit my drink out. <laughs> Socks, in Socks in the basement.
2: Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere a podcast can be found and always on SocksInTheBasement.com.